0: You're listening to the Option Alpha Podcast from OptionAlpha.com, where we show you how to make smarter trades, learn how the stock market really works, and generate consistent monthly income. Monthly income. Now, your host and head trader at OptionAlpha.com, Kirk DuPlusis.
1: Hey everyone, this is Kirk here again from Option Alpha, working every single week to make this the most popular investing podcast offered online and in iTunes because it's based on one thing and one thing only, and that's helping you guys make smarter trades. So again, thank you so much for tuning in today. On today's show, we've got a really good episode, another case study type episode. Seems like you guys really eat this stuff up and love it. And I like going through it because I think it touches on a lot of different topics surrounding investing, mainly the importance of patience and duration in trading. And so today we're gonna go through the five month grind that we had following our XLE short put option assignment where we basically had to hold stock for many months. We delivered this trade at the end of five months, finally for a profit at the end of the day, but it was a long grind for sure. It was a lot of work, a lot of massaging, if you will, to get this trade to come back around, and I think it really speaks to some of the key lessons that we talk about here at Option Alpha, again, including patience, duration, rolling to extend things, taking in credits to remove or lower break even points. And I think it's a really good case study. As always, we have a link in the show notes to the video version of this case study that I'm gonna be referencing throughout the podcast. This is the version that was sent out to our pro and elite members the night that we closed the trade. So we always do a video update for all of our trades every single night to our pro and elite members. This was the video update. It was a little bit longer, obviously, because we had to go through such a long kind of case study on the video with our members. But in case you want to see a visual representation of this, you can get to that video link by going to the show notes page at optionalpha.com slash show 163. Again, that's just the number 163, optionalpha.com slash show 163. I think it'll help to go through it here today because it's been quite a while since we actually have covered this trade. We've had a number of other trades since then that have gone through basically the same mechanics, though not as long as this XLE position. This was a five-month trade, but we've had a number of ones, including another one in XLE that we had to extend and roll and adjust for a number of months before they turn back around. So I think this is a good one because it hits on a lot of different topics, like I said. so. It's a good one to listen to if you're a visual learner, you can check out the video as well. Either way, I think you guys will really enjoy this. So their whole discussion around XLE really starts with the initial entry position. Now this is kind of crazy, but if you think about it, this was a long time ago. seems like almost a year ago because it is almost a year ago that we actually started this position. The original position that we're going to be talking about today was entered on 10-11-2018. So yes, this is back in October 11th of 2018, and we entered a very simple iron butterfly with XLE. This is the first position that we had entered into in XLE for the November expiration. And If you think back to what was happening at the end of 2018, a lot of market volatility really started to gear up. And In fact, the day that we entered this position, and again, go back and look at this on the video or just on chart, the day that we entered this position, XLE had already fallen in two days from a high of 78 and change down to a low of about 72.68 or so. So we had entered this position coming off of a massive drop in the stock. In fact, a a big drop that we haven't seen in quite a while in the stock. And as a result, implied volatility had also spiked to about 100% implied volatility level. So 100% ranking was about as high as it's been in the last year. So for us, again, this is like we're licking our tops here, right? This is where we want to be trading options for sure. We wanna be selling options when implied volatility is high, after big moves like this, when implied volatility has juiced up all of the option premium, if you will. And so we got into our first position on 1011 and decided to sell again the Add the Money Iron Butterfly. And we sold the 73 calls and the 73 puts. And then we bought options out on either end by a couple dollars. On the top side, we bought the 79 calls. And on the bottom side, we bought the 66 puts. Now this gave us an overall net credit of $365. Now that's actually a pretty big credit for a position like this. In fact, XLE, though it's actually trading much lower now, when it was trading up around like the 70s, this was a pretty decent credit and it was reflective of the fact that implied volatility at the time was so high in this position. So we did collect a pretty nice credit on this thing, $365, and we opened up just one contract to start. So at this point we didn't know where XLE was going to move and so we just wanted to you know, generally play it safe and we decided just to open up a single contract here and work with that contract. Now that ended up working out in our favor because as we will see here in a second, XLE completely crapped the bed if you will and decided to move down basically over the next two and a half months completely against this position. Now when you look at the chart, you'll see that 10.11 was actually literally the highest point that it's been since then. So even going through to today, which is September of 2019, XLE has never recovered to that 73 level. In fact, it hasn't even come close to that 73 level in quite a long time. So that 73 level that we were at that day was literally the high watermark, if you will, for basically the last year. And so this goes to show you that we absolutely got the direction wise of this. Not that we were always we're never picking direction, but we got the direction completely wrong. In fact, it just moved completely in the opposite direction, continued to move lower over the next two and a half weeks, started to fall and fall and fall with. The rest of the markets as it got deeper into October and November and as we got to November and specifically November 9th we ended up dealing with assignment. So on November 9th we were told by our broker that we got early assigned the stock for November expiration now November 9th was about a week and a half into expiration for November It was definitely not the week of expiration. we're still a little bit further out from the week of expiration itself but we did get assigned early, and this is probably because the stock was so deep in the money at this point. So, Remember, we had sold the 73 Centered Iron Butterfly. At this point on November 9th, the stock was basically at about 66, so it had gone down another couple of dollars, obviously, from its original print of 73, and so the $9 move that it basically had to the lower side, or the $7 move that it had to the lower side, put that short put option position that we had very, very deep in the money, and then obviously triggered an assignment. So on November 9th, we were assigned the stock and we were assigned 100 long shares of stock. Now at this point, we still have all of the other parts or components of the original iron butterfly position. So the 73 short call option that we had sold, we still have that working. We still have the long 79 call and we still have the long 66 put, all working in and open because those haven't expired yet and we haven't been assigned. So what we decided to do is we decided to hold the assignment. Now the reason we decided to hold the assignment was because at that time everything was going down, right? everything was moving lower, it had been stretched to the lower side and we felt that it was okay to hold an assignment through that period. It was 100 shares, we do this often where if we think that things are stretched to one side, will deliberately hold the assignment or choose to hold the assignment, looking for some sort of retracement or some sort of cyclicality to come back into the market. And so that's what we decided to do. We decided to hold the assignment and just manage the position. Again, it wasn't a big position. The small position was then manageable for us to hold 100 shares of stock, and so that's what we decided to do. As we got closer to November expiration now, now we start fast-forwarding a week or so, and we get closer to November expiration, we actually had an opportunity as we approach the last week of November expiration to sell back our 66 long put option. Now remember, the 66 long put option was part of the original iron butterfly position. But as we got closer to expiration and as XLE continued to move lower, we actually saw that this 66 put option started to go into the money and actually started to be worth some money by the time that we got closer to November expiration. So We actually sold this 66 put option back to the market for $57. Now This is key because what we decided to do at that point by selling this back is take advantage of the fact that the market was truly at that point really, really overstretched. And so that put option that was acting as protection basically served its purpose. We saw that the 66 put had increased a little bit in value and we could basically dump that position and remove it and get the little bit of premium that was left in that contract as we are approaching expiration. So at this point now what you need to do if you're following along at home is you need to start adding up all of these credits that we're collecting in this position. So remember at this point now we had sold the original position for $365 We are now adding a credit of $57, which we had collected by selling back to the market our 66 put option. Now, a lot of people at this point would say, well, wait, 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 You bought the 66 put option originally, and that's true, but we bought it and that's already reflected in the net credit that we had collected for the original iron butterfly position. So we don't need to subtract out the cost of buying that option, that's already embedded into the net credit of 365 that started the position. So at this point now, we've taken in a total credit of $422, and we've now reached November expiration. Now as we reach November expiration for XLE, it's basically trading at right around 66. So it's basically trading at the short put option strike price. Again, we decided at this point to continue the position, hold on to the long shares. Everything else that we had for the original. November position has now expired worthless. So our 73 short call option, our 79 long call option obviously has expired worthless. We got assigned the 73 puts and we closed out of the 66 puts that we were long. So we're basically left with a November expiration, pure long stock at this point. Now, at this point, what we try to do is we try to start reducing cost basis by selling a covered call, and that's exactly what we started doing. So literally, right after we get through expiration, we sell the December 70 covered call on our position. This is selling the next monthly expiration, so about 30 or so days out from expiration, and we sell the 70 strike call options. which give us a decent premium and also leave some room for the stock to rebound. Now obviously, we didn't know what was going to happen after this, but we thought that maybe we could give ourselves a little bit of room, sell the 70 strike call options, the stock is trading at about 66, and that would give us a little bit of wiggle room for the stock to rebound up to 70 and then move beyond that with the premium from our covered call. We sold that 70 strike call option for 87 cents. So again, now we add that $0.87 to our total credit that we're now banking and collecting in the background, and we brings our total credit to $5.09. So again, just keep that in the back of your mind as you're going through this. We're just adding up all these credits. That credit is then helping to reduce the cost basis of the shares in which we purchased. So we start going through December expiration, and right after we start selling this covered call. About a week or so after that, XLE just has another nosedive and basically moves from a high of 68. So it did rally up a little bit, not all the way up to 70, but a high of 68 around December 15th. It starts nosediving through to the end of Christmas and basically closes the day before Christmas at a low of 54. Now, think about what has transpired in this entire trade process at this point. And this to me is really the point of no return for many traders. Many traders would have probably, and I know for sure a lot did, throw in the towel at this point and just completely quit and give up on the trade. This is the breaking point that snaps a lot of traders and I think it's the difference between a good trader and a bad trader is what happens after this point. Because at no point in this entire cycle so far for this trade did we get the direction right. So Now we've held on to the position for basically three and a half months and we are just taking a beating left and right on this position, taking a nosedive on the stock twice. We sold the position when the stock was at 73, it's now trading at 53. That's a $20 difference in the stock price in just about three and a half months. So at this point, obviously, the stock is really oversold, but for us, the way that I look at this is I looked at this based on what we had sold the original position for, which was at the 73 strike. And at the 73 strike, if you factor in the credit that we had taken in, we had taken in a credit of $5 and change, and that basically moved our break even point down to 67.91. Now that's still obviously well above where the stock was trading at that point. But it was 100 shares, it was a manageable position for us, and I thought at that point that the market had gone too far too fast. In fact, I said so in the video updates, I said so in email updates to people because we had a lot of people who just frankly dumped the thing and just threw in the towel at literally the worst possible point. And then this is unfortunate because I see this often, I see people who just like give up on the position because it's too big or too whatever, and they end up just dumping the thing at the worst possible point, the apex of the trade basically when anything else, patience-wise, could have been much better profit-wise. So at this point, like I said, we had basically given up on getting the direction right. We didn't know that it was going to continue to move lower. We thought it was going to rebound after November expiration. It did not. We went into December expiration, or heading towards December expiration, and the stock, again continues to basically nosedive. Now we have a credit of 509 at this point, so we just continue working this credit. And that's all you can do at this point. You can continue to work the credit if you want to hold the position. So on 124, just as it was starting to make its move lower, we decided to roll down our call options. So this is as the stock is starting to crest and roll over again for the second time, heading to that low at the end of December. On 124, we decided to roll down our short call options. We bought back our 70 strike calls, and we rolled those down to the 68 strike calls. So as the stock was moving lower, we got an opportunity to move down our calls and collect additional premium. So at this point, now we've collected an additional $51 on that roll. So that's the net difference between buying back our 70 calls and then reselling a closer call option at 68. So we add that $51 premium and that gives us $5.60 of total credit at this point. And we get towards the middle of December, and again we see that the stock is just nosediving at this point, right? So this is middle of December, stock continues to nosedive as it's free falling, and As a result of that, implied volatility is spiking. So we know that implied volatility moving up is good for us and we know we're going to be in this position for a long time. So as we approach December expiration, we decide to roll out our covered call position from December to January. And so that's what we did. So we used a diagonal order, which is just a very simple way of moving the covered call from one month to the next month and changing the strikes. We bought back our December 68 call options and then we resold the January 67 call options. So this is that diagonal component where we not only move the position out to the next month, which is part calendar, but then we also move down the strike from the 68 to the 67. It's a very simple, standard mechanical process that we always go through when we're making trades like this. We talk about it often, it's this idea of not only extending duration, but also rolling down or moving down the unchallenged, untested, whatever you want to call it, the side that the market is moving away from. And in this case, with the stock moving lower, we continue to move our covered call closer and closer. So we roll it out to the January contracts and we roll down to the 67 strike. We do all of this for an additional net credit of $50. So again, we go back to the drawing board and we say, okay, we added another $50 of premium. So at this point now, we've taken in our total credit of $6.10. Now why is this important? This is important because it continues to reduce the cost basis on our shares. Every time that we roll this thing for a credit or that we add or remove a covered call for a net credit, we continue to reduce the cost basis of our shares and this helps move down the breakeven point of our long stock as the stock is moving. Because at some point, if we get a rebound in this thing, we're gonna reach and meet that break-even point or exceed it. And that was our whole goal in this whole process. So at this point now, we're holding the January 67 calls. We start going through all through January, and we basically reach January expiration and the 67 call options expire worthless. So at this point, we've reached January expiration. We have held it yet again, another month of holding long stock, going through the entire process, seeing the stock actually come back up and rebound, which was great, up to a high of around 62 or so as it reached January expiration. Now at this point, because we've sold the 67 call options, the stock has still not come all the way back. It's come back definitely from the lows, from the lows of 53 and change, it's come back up to around 62, 63, but it hasn't come all the way back up to that 67 strike. So we now go through January expiration, the 67 short call option that we had expires completely worthless. So right after January expiration, we're left with again just simple pure long stock. So what do we do? Well, we continue to sell covered calls on it. It's a very rinse and repeat thing and I hate feeling like I'm just repeating myself over and over again, but it is truly that. It is truly a mechanical process that you should be going through. It should feel almost boring and repetitive to some degree because you're doing the same thing over and over and over again. You're just changing the strikes in the months to accommodate the new prices of the market. So As we reach January expiration, on January 31st, we decide to sell the March 67 call options. So we skipped over February because it was a short month, and at the end of January we sold the March 67 call options for 43 cents. This is again important because what we decided to do here was continue the trade and add more credit. So we go back to the drawing board, we add another premium of 43 dollars, and that takes our total premium on this trade to six dollars and 53 cents. So the whole deal that we're doing here, as we continue to move this trade from basically the beginning of October, now we're at the end of January, is we are continuing to move the position out and out and out. So what happens from here, well, fast forward basically another month and a half and you get to March 12th of 2019, so at this point we just literally sit on our hands for yet again another month and a half. We get to March 12th which is right before expiration for March contracts. And basically, the stock hasn't moved anywhere. It's gone up a little bit, about a dollar and a half or so during this entire time. It's been pretty flat, but we get to March expiration and it still hasn't breached the 67 short call strike. So this thing is still just dragging on. It feels like a dead weight. Definitely at this point, 99% of people who were in this trade are absolutely out for sure. I know this because I get all the emails, all the banter, all the stuff back and forth. This was a bad trade. This was a stupid trade. It was capital, da 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 da, and so at this point I know 99% of people are out of the trade. They don't know what to do with it, so they just throw up their hands. But again, we continue to stay the course and remain firm in our belief that if we are patient and the trade is small enough and manageable enough, and if we extend duration long enough for credits that we can move that break-even point down to somewhere that's manageable. So we get to the end of March expiration and we decide to, again, continue the position. We buy back the March 67 call options for two pennies and we roll out to the 66 call options in April. So we basically take the entire thing, do another diagonal order, we extend the cover call position out to April, and this time again move down the strike price to 66. Now at this point, because we're starting to get closer, and that gap is starting to reduce a little bit, we can choose to do a short call option strike that is a little bit closer for potentially a little bit higher premium. In this case, the 66 call option in April was trading at about $104, so the net difference on the roll between selling the 66 call in April and buying back the 67 call in March was $102 credit. And this is great because this is a big, nice credit. You know, The entire time that we've been doing this so far, because it was so off and we needed to leave room for the stock to rally, we were basically collecting 47, you know, 50 cents, 51 cents or so. This time, we're collecting a much bigger credit. That gap is now reduced. We can now be a little bit more aggressive because we just need a slight move up in the stock and that would get us beyond our break even point. So at this point, we collect a credit of 102. So we go back to the drawing board again and we add the credit of 102 to the rolling credits that we've been talking about this entire podcast. And that gives us a total credit of $7.55 on the position. Now this is really cool because at this point, you just have to stop and think to yourself, what has actually happened? We've actually gone from an initial credit on this entire position of $3.65 and we have literally worked and massaged this thing and grinded through to a total credit of $7.55. If you basically look at that as a result of our initial credit, we've 2x'd and then some our initial credit on this position. That's really cool that we can do this over the course of a couple months. Now, did it come with ease? Was it really simple to do? Well, mechanically, yes. It was a very simple process. It was not that many actual orders. We were just selling covered calls. But mentally and emotionally, it was a tough grind for sure. Again, one that I believe 99% of people who were following this initial trade absolutely dumped at some point along the way. I am very much of the opinion that I think rarely did anybody get out of this position. And In fact, I think it was so rare that people held on to it, when we actually closed the position five months later, we had a lot of comments saying, hey, I don't remember this initial position last month, I don't remember getting into it the last couple months, because it was so far back. People actually had just completely written it off and forgot about it. All right, now from here, what's really cool about how everything is so far transpired is that basically we didn't get a lot of upward movement in the stock. We got a slow, very grind higher in XLE all the way through to the end of April expiration. And so as we approached April expiration, what ended up happening is we did have an opportunity on 4.5 as it started to move a little bit higher to actually remove the entire position for a net profit. And so what we ended up doing on four or five is we ended up selling back our entire covered call position in full for a $65.63 credit. And I want to walk through the math on this because I think it's really, really important how you understand how this whole thing works. It's very, very important to know where we ended up making money on this position, because it was a really interesting case study, as hopefully you've already seen. But the math on this is sometimes really fuzzy for people. How do we get to that number? How do we determine what our break even points are on positions, et cetera, et cetera? So remember, our total credit that we've collected at this point was $7.55. We were assigned stock and forced to buy long stock at the original strike price of our short put option, which was $73. So what I do is I always start with the credits first, which I've done through the course of this podcast. You start with all the credits and you total up all the credits, then you start making your adjustments for the stock as you close out the position. So in our case, we take the $7.55 credit and we subtract 73 from that. Now why do we subtract 73? Well, we were forced to buy stock at 100 shares at a time, which we only bought 100 shares, but if you had more contracts, you'd buy more than that. But we were forced to buy stock at $73. So all of these credits that we took in, that's great, but we were still forced to buy stock at $73 and that's where our cost basis was on the shares. Once you factor in the $73 and the credits, we were left with a net cost basis of 65.45. So I just took the $7.55 I subtracted out 73 and I'm left with negative 65.45, which means that my net cost has been reduced but is still $65.45 on those shares. So what I was trying to do is I was trying to sell back the shares for anything above that level, so anything net above that level. Well, on four five, we were able to close the entire covered call position So sell back the stock and close out of our short call option at 66 for a $65.63 credit. So now all I do is I take that 65, I add back that credit that we collected because again we sold stock, right? That's what we did, we sold stock net. So we take that running total that we have, negative 65.45 and I add 65.63 to that total. And what that gives me is that gives me $18 of total profit. Now by no stretch is this a total profit that is amazing to write home about. Like books will not be written on the total profit that I collected on this trade. But it is a profitable trade and it is a trade that could have been way, way worse if we had not decided to keep our position size small to keep grinding away at this contract, to keep selling premium and extending duration to reduce our cost basis. I know that if we had decided at some point to take the lowest possible price or anywhere near the lowest possible price, our roughly $66 premium or credit at that point, our cost basis at that point, would have turned into something like a $1,300 loser. And so had we dumped the position at the worst possible point, or even close to that worst possible point, we would have been looking at a loss that was 11 dollars dollars $1,300 on a single iron butterfly position. Now it's easy to think why people, and in many cases people who don't have enough patience or don't have the education. Which is the whole point of this podcast is teaching you how to do this and giving you the confidence to do it, it's easy to see why somebody can say, hey, we took this iron butterfly position and I lost a ton more money than I thought I was going to lose on this. and It's because of the leverage that's associated with options. It's very much something that we talk about often here at Option Alpha because it is that important. You have to learn that you can take a small position and it could become a very large loser And that's why position sizing is so important to begin with. Because for many people who got into this trade, I would imagine the position basically just ballooned so big that it reached their breaking point of no return. Their point at which they just can't handle the paper loss anymore and they had to remove the position. Many people I think that happened near the apex in December. And that caused what would have been, or hopefully they were hoping for a couple hundred dollar winner to be a thousand plus dollar loser. Now again, if you have enough patience and enough fortitude to stick with it and reduce the cost basis and hold on to a position for potentially five months, when it goes against you, you can take that thing and turn it all the way back around. Now I don't know about you guys, but when I think about trading, I think about doing the mechanics right. I think about sticking to the rules of position sizing and and what we try to do portfolio balance-wise and total capital allocation-wise but it's things like this that I think really make a difference in the long run. This is not gonna make a difference today. This trade did not make a difference in what we made or lost over the course of these five months because we basically didn't make any money on the trade. We made $18, but it was basically flat, right? But where it really works is five years from now, we know that this time period here allowed us not to lose an extra $1,200, $1,300. It didn't set us back that far in the hole. And so in some cases, even though we didn't get the direction right by any stretch, in fact we got the direction completely wrong in this case, by using some very simple mechanics we were able to massage and kind of force this trade back into our range. And so as the stock was coming back around a little bit and having some cyclicality, we were reducing our cost basis and we kind of met in the middle and we gave ourselves an opportunity. To me, this is the antithesis of what trading should be. This is why options trading is so daggone powerful. Because you can take something like this that goes completely against you and looks like it's gonna be this massive thing and you can use very simple tools and mechanics and a little bit of patience sprinkled in to turn this thing completely around. Now, if you think that this is just an anomaly, go back and listen to all of the podcasts that we've done on this. This happens all the time. This is not a one and done type thing. I think it was a longer case study than what we have usually seen. Sometimes we end up holding positions or assignments or just having to roll contracts for two to three months. This was a little bit longer for sure. So it really tested the patience of not only me, but everybody else, right? But this type of thing happens often. In fact, you should expect that this is going to happen as you continue to trade more and more in the market because as an options trader, you are not going to get the direction right. In fact, you're almost never going to get the direction right. And you're going to be forced into positions that have to be assigned early or that have to be rolled or have to be adjusted. This is where, to me, the rubber meets the road. This is where you can take a really good trader who does all the right mechanics for entry and start to elevate them to a really great trader. So I think this is a really important lesson and, and definitely one you can take a look at. We've done a number of case studies before on the podcast, also on video updates on YouTube, which are all free. We published those 20, 30 days after they got to our members. There's so many case studies on this you can go look at. I encourage you to do so. But hopefully today was a really good look at how we managed and adjusted this particular iron butterfly position that ended up going in the money and went into assignment protocol. So hopefully this helps out. As always, you can get a link to the video version of this if you didn't enjoy the audio version or if you just want to see another one by heading over to optionalpha.com slash show 163. Again, optionalpha.com slash show 163. All right, so now before we get into the Trader Q&A segment, I again want to give a very quick shout out and thank you to one of our members in the community who left a review for us recently. And again, I do this because I want you guys to know, one, I appreciate it, two, We definitely want more people listening to the podcast. We want more people here in the Opshopper community so if you do think that this is helping. If you thought today's podcast was really helpful, take five minutes and just leave a review like this person did. It literally is changing our world. We're extremely humbled for that and it helps get the podcast into other people's hands. So in this case, C-more Bucks, that was the name, C M Bucks, which I like that. His review was outstanding, understandable, reasonable options education. He said, I listened to all 100 podcasts this morning or all month and plan to start at the beginning and do it all over again. The interviews bring a great new perspective and really help out and get the wheels turning. I recommend this podcast to options traders of all levels. So thank you, Seymour Bucks. And that was back almost two years ago that he left our review. So I still go back and I read those. I appreciate you guys leaving those reviews. They do not fall on deaf ears by any stretch. So thank you so much for leaving that review.
0: And now our favorite part of the show, Trader Q&A, where we ask a question from one of our current members about options trading. Got a question you'd like to ask Kirk to answer live on the air? Just head on over to optionalpha.com forward slash ask and hit the record button to leave a message. That's optionalpha.com forward slash ask. And now, here's today's question. Hi, Kirk. This is Robert here. I'm a pretty new trader with a small account around $5,000. Trying to keep my position sizes small and I've been screening for penny increment options in Thinkorswim because a $500 spread is a little big, especially because my Robinhood brokerage holds that whole spread value in margin. I'm looking at you know, some weekly options that are coming up because a lot of the tickers that come up, really, it's only the weeklies that are penny increment or 250 increment. And some of those weeklies, you know, they have 30 plus days to expiration, but they have major liquidity issues, right? So my I guess, my question is, would you recommend for a small account trading instead of say a $500 spread with good liquidity, um, the weekly 250 or dollar spread with, let's say, liquidity in the triple digits on both strikes, right? Like, what do you think is the kind of line in the sand that you shouldn't go past? Now, I've I've traded some really a liquid options when I was first getting started but I don't really know how you know triple digit liquidity like could I run into issues with what if I'm just trading a couple of contracts okay thanks a lot and uh, have a great day
1: All right so Robert thank you so much for leaving the question I think it was a great question definitely one that we often find ourselves in the middle of I think it's it's two sided I do not think that there is necessarily a perfect answer to this I think it depends on a lot of different variables and factors but here's how I would look at it If you basically have a $5 spread with good liquidity, good liquidity can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But what I'm more concerned about with spreads, especially when I do iron butterflies or wide spreads on one side of the market, is I'm more concerned with the liquidity of the short strike or the closer strikes. The further out strikes are naturally going to have less liquidity. And I think that's just by default because they're further out, they're less Likely to be actively traded. But should the time come that those positions are challenged, those positions might start going from far out of the money to close to at the money or even in the money. And as that happens, the liquidity will definitely follow. So I think you kind of make up for it in that case. If those long options are tough to get into to begin with, I think they'd be easy to get out of if they get challenged because they start becoming more in the money or at the money contracts. I definitely think that the weekly spreads that are a little bit tighter are fine with a lot of liquidity, but again, you just have to be aware of what you're giving up to do a much more narrow spread. More narrow spreads are great because they control risk and they're good for small accounts, but what they lack is they lack the ability to generate profits fairly quickly. It means that your holding periods are going to be a little bit longer. Because the spreads are more narrow, it means the contracts are going to offset each other a lot easier as the stock continues to move through the expiration cycle. If you have a short option at 98 and you have a long option at 97, well, the differential as those two contracts move is going to be very, very small because one positive move for one contract is going to be a negative move almost exactly the same as for the other contract. And so, more narrow spreads allow people to control risk better, but in exchange, you give up the ability to get out of the positions quicker, to realize profits quicker. You probably end up having to hold the position much closer or deeper into expiration. So again, there's a trade-off there that you can make. This is always your option, no pun intended, but you know, in my case, I like to go with wider spreads because they allow us the flexibility of moving and adjusting the position pretty quickly. And also, we tend to see shorter holding periods, earlier times until we can take profits so we end up getting out of contracts a little bit faster. So hopefully this helps out. As always, if you guys have any questions that you want to get on the trader Q&A segment, or if you want us to answer these on Facebook and YouTube, head on over to optionalpha.com and click the big red button in the middle of the screen and leave me a private voicemail. Again, there's no software to download or install. It's very, very easy to do. So again, optionalpha.com slash ask is the link, optionalpha.com slash ask. All right, so let's get into the closing bell segment today where we'll discussing a new trade that we're making right now.
0: now the closing bell. Find out which stocks we're looking at right now, trades we're making, and hear our game plan moving forward. forward.
1: All right. So new trade today that we're making is in GLD. GLD is a really popular one for us to trade right now, mostly because GLD has had a huge move higher and because implied volatility is still really, really elevated. So gold has gone through this Kind of interesting period where about a year and a half ago, it was almost on nobody's radar implied volatility was basically nothing. The stock really didn't move. And now with all the turmoil that we've had in the markets just in the last couple of months, gold and bonds have been just on a banana crazy run higher and as a result implied volatility is higher. So we're still going to keep trading gold. It's a good ETF for us. It's an uncorrelated ETF for our portfolio. So we want to continue doing that. So in today's trading alert, we're going to do the iron butterfly in gold. We're going to do it pretty wide on one end. In fact, we went pretty wide on one end and made this fairly skewed and I'll talk about that here in a second because I think it's important. But we went ahead and sold the 144 calls, the 144 puts, and then we bought The 160 call options, which are about $16 out from where the stock is trading right now. But on the put side, we bought the 135 options. And the 135 options on the put side are only $9 out. So we did skew this quite a bit. And what I mean by this is that we have an iron butterfly position, and if you did this as an iron condor, you could basically do the same thing. But we have an iron butterfly position that is highly skewed, and skewed mostly in the direction of the call side being that the call side is much wider. Now why do we do this? Well, right now, because implied volatility is really high in gold, what we're actually seeing is we're actually seeing that people are bidding up the value of long call options in gold at a very fast pace, almost a pace 2x of what it is on the put side. And so this could mean that people are highly speculative that gold is gonna continue higher, which I would take the opposing view and say that most people who are speculating are probably wrong or probably, I would take the contrarian view on that, or people are hedging for a continued move in gold higher. In either case, gold options on the call side are really, really expensive. So in order for us to get some pretty good distance away from the market and to get a small premium to make this thing worth it, we had to go out much further on the call side. Now the way that we're adjusting for this additional exposure in case gold does go higher because it could and we don't know where it's going to go is we're reducing our position size a little bit. So where we would usually do 3 or 4 contracts, we're just starting with 2 for this one. We'll leave ourselves room to get another laddered entry later on. On the put side though, we did not have to go out as far. Again, like I said, we only went out $9 because the put options are not worth a lot of money. And so as a result, I don't think a lot of people think gold is going to go down from here or they're definitely not bidding up options on gold going down, so you see those premiums actually start to fall. This is actually completely inverse of what would generally happen in a high implied volatility environment. When you get high implied volatility, especially in equity options like SPX or IWM, etc., you would probably see the skew to the put side, meaning put options are more expensive, the call options are cheap. That would be like a normalish market to see put options just generally more expensive. So it's kind of a little bit rare in the sense to see this you know, so exaggerated right now in GLD. But again, we don't want to shy away from trading, we just want to adjust our position size to accommodate the additional risk of having to go with a wider spread on the call side. So Again, we're just doing two contracts now. This is for November expiration, taking in a net credit of $5.76, and so that basically leaves us with a big old range in... Uh, GLD of almost eleven and a half dollars. So this thing can move eleven and a half dollars, you know, basically five seventy-six in either direction, and we give ourselves an opportunity to make some money by November expiration. So hopefully this helps out. As always, if you want to get these trades, as we're sending them out to our Pro and Elite members, you just got to sign up on Option Alpha. After that, we send out all of our trades and make them public about thirty to forty-five days after they go out to our members so you can see what we did before, but obviously you don't get the trade alerts and the updates the day that we send them out. Thanks for
0: listening to the Option Alpha podcast. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a rating or comment. Plus, you can get everything. Free email updates for future shows, transcripts, video tutorials, case studies, and more. Just visit our website at optionalpha.com.
1: All right, so I truly hope you guys enjoyed today's show, and as always, got at least one thing out of it that you can apply right now to make you a smarter, more profitable trader and investor. As always, you can get additional resources, links mentioned in the show, and some of the related video training from today's show by going to optionoffa.com slash show 163. Again, that's just the number 163, optionoffa.com slash show 163. Until next time, happy trading.